You're listening to The Vine Podcast, episode number 18. Whether you're a new food blogger or you've been at this for a while, defining a niche is essential to standing out in this crowded food blogger world. This episode will walk you through how to define your niche. Even if you're already confident about your niche, you'll learn how to put it into action as well. You love the time you get to spend creating content on your blog and connecting with your audience. But building a brand and working on your website, that's where it can feel overwhelming. With all of the lists out there of everything that you should do, sometimes you just feel like giving up. But friends, there's a better way. When you spend time strategically thinking about your blog, you'll discover what is essential to build a successful and sustainable business and what's not. I'm your host, Madison Weatherill, a WordPress web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers. I'm here to help you think strategically about the brand you're building, connect with your ideal audience, and ultimately convert them into raving fans, the ones who actually make your recipes, interact with you, and make this whole food blogging journey worth it. It's time to design a business you love and remember why you started a blog in the first place. Hey food bloggers, welcome back. I am so excited about today's episode that I'm just going to jump right in, but not before I give you a quick reminder to go ahead, go to your podcast app and hit subscribe. I recently heard a rumor this past week that new episodes don't show up right away if you're not subscribed to a show. So if you've ever looked for an episode on a Tuesday and you didn't find it, that might be why. So go ahead and hit subscribe so you will see new episodes every time that they are published. I have also loved seeing you guys share the episodes over on Instagram and getting to connect with you guys over there in Instagram stories. So definitely take a screenshot and tag me over there at Grace and Vine. And I just loved hearing your biggest takeaways from the last few episodes. So today's episode, we are going to be talking about your niche and specifically we're going to define your niche and then I'm going to show you how you can put that into action. To be honest, this was something that I really dreaded my first few years as a food blogger. I felt like my niche kind of trapped me from being able to share whatever recipes that I wanted to share. And I've talked about that part of my story a little bit on the podcast before, and that was definitely something that was holding my food blog back from growing. But a niche does so much more than just put you in a box and tell you which kinds of recipes you can or can't share. I wanted to let you know that I'm going to add a link to my brand identity guide in the show notes, and this guide is going to cover the exact questions that I walk through with my design clients on defining your niche and defining your ideal reader. You can grab it by going to thevinepodcast.com slash 018. So let's first break down what a niche is. So a niche defines what your blog is all about. It really is as simple as that, but that does not mean that your niche for your blog is food. A niche really shouldn't be summed up in just one word. Your blog's niche defines your brand in a really powerful way, and food is just way too generic. Back in 2012, there was an article published by Taking the Kitchen that said that there were 16,000 food blogs, and I wouldn't be shocked if that number hasn't doubled by now. All that to say, food is way too broad of a niche to really define what your blog is all about. Let's think of this in another way. When you share a recipe on your blog, you don't just categorize it as recipe. You select the category that describes your post the most, like dinner recipe or dessert. And if your categories are even more specific, you might have something like 30-minute desserts. And if your categories are even more specific, you might have something like 30-minute dinners or brownie recipes. Your niche is like the category where your blog fits in. When you correctly define your niche, it immediately helps you attract the right audience. 
If your niche is carnivore diet recipes and someone who is vegan somehow lands on your site, they'll immediately know that this is not the right place for them and they're not going to find what they're looking for here. The correct niche also repels the wrong people. Having your niche can help the right audience immediately feel seen and known and it can immediately address your audience's pain points and struggles. And this is going to lead to deeper connections with your audience. I remember there was one time that we had friends over, and I remembered that one of the friends coming over had a nut allergy. So as we were serving the food, I remembered to tell her which dishes had nuts in them and which did not. And the look on her face when she realized that I had taken a few moments to remember her dietary needs was something that I will remember forever. Having a defined niche for your blog can give your audience that kind of sense of belonging, as if they were inside your living room, inside your kitchen, sitting at the table with you. So when I'm working with a branding or web design client, one of the very first things that they do as part of the strategy portion of my design process is to fill out a branding questionnaire. In that questionnaire, we define their niche. So I'm going to walk you through this three-step process to define your niche. So there are really three levels to your niche, and that's exactly how we're going to work through and define your niche today. So step one is the top level. So for most of you listening, that's going to be food. This is what differentiates you from all of the other bloggers out there in different niches like fashion or crafts or home. Step two is defining the specific type of recipes that you share within the food blogging niche. This can be dietary specific, cuisine, or meal type like dinner recipes or dessert recipes. Step three is the third level, and this is what I think is the most important but also the most missed. If I were to line up five bloggers who shared your same specific type of recipes, what would make your content stand out from theirs? Is it your cooking philosophy? Is it the type of ingredients that you use? Is it the cooking method, like sharing all Instant Pot recipes or slow cooker recipes? To give you an example, over the past year, I've worked with three different clients on branding and web design who all share easy, healthy recipes. But the three of them couldn't have more different niches. When you stop at the second level in defining your niche, it's really easy to blend in with other bloggers. We all know that the blogging world is so saturated and we need to find ways for our blogs and our content to stand out. Within the healthy recipes niche, it's easy to see how different blogs would have different specialties because health is so subjective. But so is food. Whether it's comfort food, desserts, entertaining, allergy-friendly, it really doesn't matter. Each can be defined even more specifically than those subtopics. So for each of those clients that I worked with last year, they could have taken the exact same recipe and probably made it three completely different ways based on their philosophy of cooking and the ingredients that they use, even though technically they're all within the same niche. This is why I spend so much time during my design process thinking about strategy. It's really not enough just to check off a box for my client's niche and and call it good. I often find that there's a trend to simplify your niche as a food blogger. There are even some food bloggers who I've talked to that grew too quickly to even consider a niche. I want to know my client's story on such a deep level that I can convey their story, their cooking philosophy, the heart behind their blog, their niche, all within their branding or website design. And even if you're DIYing your branding and website, knowing this is really the foundation for everything else. Without getting specific about your niche, it's hard to define your ideal reader, which I talked about in episode two, and it's definitely hard to define your brand messaging, which I talked about in episode three. For me, defining my niche for both my food blog and for Grace and Vine Studios, my design business, was challenging because I was really afraid to alienate someone. I'm a type two on the Enneagram, and if you don't know anything about the Enneagram, it's essentially a personality typing system with nine numbers as the different types that you can be. And type two is known as the helper, and they're notorious people pleasers. 
I was so afraid to exclude someone that I didn't define a niche for such a long time. But what ends up happening when you don't define a niche and you aren't specific is that you end up talking to the masses, which always results in talking to no one. Defining your niche will attract the right people to your blog, it will help you build deeper connections with them, and it will give you confidence when you're sharing your message. And yes, defining your niche may also repel people who aren't the right audience, but that's okay too. There's usually some overlap. For example, I follow some vegan or dairy-free blogs, and I make the recipes from time to time, even though neither of those are my default diet. But if one of those blogs sold a product all about going dairy-free, I probably wouldn't be the right customer. But again, that's okay. So let's jump into what you do once you've figured out your niche. So remember, you're going to take that top-level niche, break it one step down further to the specific type of recipes that you share, and then one step further to define what makes you unique in that specific subset of bloggers. And that's your niche. So once you have that figured out, you can write a quick mission statement to wrap it all together. If you don't already have your ideal reader defined, it's going to be really helpful to know that for this part too. So you can go back and re-listen to episode two to define your reader, or you can kind of use this example to help you figure that out. So the next part of the questionnaire that I give my clients is a fill-in-the-blank statement to define their mission statement. So you share blank for blank. You share a specific type of content, also known as your niche, for a specific type of person, also known as your ideal reader. So as an example, you share recipes for entertaining for busy moms. I hope you can see how much more strategic and specific that particular niche is than just being a food blogger or just being a blogger who shares entertaining recipes. Once you have that niche and your mission statement written out, you can move on to your brand messaging. And like I said, I have a whole episode about this in episode number three, but once you have these two things defined, you can really effectively think about your brand messaging. Sometimes this will come first in the conversations that I have with my clients Because often we know our brand messaging, but we haven't had time to sit down and think about what that means for our niche. And sometimes they're able to tell me what their brand is all about, and I use those statements to help them define their niche. But something I've been really working on with my clients lately is making sure that they have some core messages of their brand written out. Having those five to ten statements written down somewhere to reference can make a huge difference in making sure that you're actually conveying that message. Whether that's writing your blog posts, in your Instagram stories, or even the emails that you're writing to your list, having those statements front and center helps you to remember what makes you unique and helps you to speak on those things rather than defaulting to generalizing when you talk about your content. I'm going to link in the show notes to an interview that I did with Megan Porta over on the Eat Blog Talk podcast where we went more into depth about how you can maintain your unique voice on your blog. We talked a lot about this, and then you can also go back to episode three of this podcast to learn more about the importance of brand messaging. But I think that will really be the next step for you in taking that niche and making sure that you implement it on your blog. And don't forget, you can grab the guide that covers the exact questions I walk through with my design clients on defining your niche and your ideal reader. You can grab that at thevinepodcast.com slash 018. No matter how long you've been food blogging, I think you can always review these sorts of questions to make sure that you're being really intentional about your niche and your messaging that you're putting out there. It's really easy to get off track and start sharing things that might not be aligned with your niche or with your audience, or it's really easy to just get caught up in the busyness of food blogging and forget to think about these crucial parts of your brand. 
It's also really easy to strip away the things that make your blog unique because you feel like you have to or that you feel like people don't care about your story or your voice. But this just isn't true. You just need to make sure that you're connecting it all together. Defining your niche is the first and very crucial step to doing just that. Next week's episode, we're going to talk about creating your website tagline, and that is going to be another next step in defining your brand and helping your food blog stand out. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.